All right, um, so has anyone else besides me um, ever had this experience in worship? Um, you've, you, you struggle to connect. I don't see hands going up, and that's fine. You and me, brother, in the back. But you know what I mean, okay? So, so let's play that. So the, the music starts, right? The, the worship leader or the choir or the band is leading us. And, um, you know, people are really singing. You know, maybe some, some hands go up, some eyes close along the way, and you have a few people in the congregation, and, you know, they've kind of got that holy church sway going. Everybody's feeling it. And then pan over to you, right? Whatever the song is, Almighty for you're just not there. You're just not feeling it, right? Um, it's a tough thing because in your heart you know that that really isn't worship to God. Well, good news, it's not just you. Um, it happens to all of us. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you this. It happened to me this morning. I spent all week long working on Psalm 103, and I was excited about it, and I read it to Jane, and I was like, yeah, 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 and I got here this morning, and I went through it, and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. Just empty, barren, uh, and, and, you know, so literally today, okay, this is the one time, if you ever asked a, asked a preacher, do you ever practice what you preach today? I am literally practicing what I preach, okay, from the opening here. Um, so, but, the, but the question is, is, what is the problem? What's going on in those moments? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to read to you our opening two verses of Psalm 103 and see if you can hear what the problem just might be. Because it's here. It's a bit subtle. But see if you can figure this out. And if you can't, don't worry. I will preach and tell you what it is. So here we go. Psalm 103. And this is, this is David speaking, King David. Um, the same David that slew Goliath. These are David's words. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, if you're still wondering what, what the problem is, God actually identifies this for us. Uh, Isaiah 29, 13, and this is a moment, okay, about 700 years before Christ comes. This is God reflecting on some of the worshipers in the temple. Listen to what God says. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. So their worship of me is in vain. Do you hear, hear what the problem is? It's that when our hearts are far away, God isn't real to us. And for whatever reason, at different times in our lives, in worship, at other times, we just lose that sense, right? So, okay, good. Okay, good that that's been identified. Uh, simple enough, but we all have a problem in response to that. The problem is, and I don't know if you know this, but you're getting ready to learn something brilliant. You and I do not have an on-off switch for our hearts. Have you ever realized that? It's not like we can just go, oh, the, well, that's the problem. Well, let me just flip it on and I'm here. God, worship is wonderful. We can't do that. So what do we do? in times like that. Well, a great idea today is to check out Psalm 103 and see what David is talking about here. Because here is a man who is either in some form of worship or he's on his way to worship and David realizes that he's not feeling it. 
He, he, his heart is not in it. Maybe this day when he, when he was writing Psalm 103, maybe he's full of fear and worry. You know, maybe there's something just so big in David's life that, that he just can't enter into worship. Maybe, maybe David's had a sinful week, you know? One of those weeks that we'd all like to forget, and I will not ask for a show of hands on that one, but it, and, and maybe he's going into worship and he just feels guilty. You know, he feels like he, he's not worthy. And here he is at the beginning of Psalm 103, and he realizes his dilemma. He is either going to go into worship and he's going to fake it, or he's just going to go through the motions. So that's what uh, verses 1 and 2 that I just read are all about. David is literally talking to his heart. He, he's literally saying, hey, down there, wake up, come to life, engage in worship. And then David begins to do something that we've seen several times in the Psalms already. David begins to look back at his life, at God's activity. You remember us talking about that. You know, what do we do when we're just in that desert place? What do the Psalm writers do? They look back at who God has been and what God has done. And as David does this, these memories do two things to David as we go through the Psalm. Number one, those memories of God's activity, they do realign him with God. But they also serve as like logs that he's putting on a fire, and they literally fuel David's worship. And what's so neat is, as we're getting ready now to go into the end of uh, verse 2 through 5, is that the things that David brings up, they're the same things that get in our way. They're the same struggles we have. When we find ourselves disconnected or di uh, just, just disoriented in worship. So let's look at these now in verse 3. David looks back at who God has been, and the first thing that comes to mind is he forgives all your sins. We all know what sin is, right? Sin is the spiritual sickness that disconnects us from God. Um, sin does a lot of things. It leads to eternal death. Sin ruins relationships. You know, sin wrecks, wrecks relationship. It kind of ruins the world that we are in. But it really does disorient us from God. It does separate us. Well, good news, and Noah's up there, so I can't make him run down. Drum roll, right? Best news ever. David writes that God forgives all our sin. All of our sin. Not, not just the, the scandal list that we sometimes keep. Every single sin. And for us, that, that points us right over my head to what? To the cross of Jesus Christ. To the empty tomb that Jesus went through death and resurrection to set us free from sin. And to set us free from death. To give us not only eternal life, but abundant life. Jesus did that to reconnect us to God and to make God real for us, to make the love of God real in all of our lives. And that's what's so beautiful about the time we live in. Because of Jesus, verse 3 is a reality. God forgives every single sin. If you need further proof, uh, Acts 10, 43 is a great one. All the prophets testify about Jesus Christ that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And again, I want to just reiterate, this is all our sin. 
And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, whoa, just got my toes stepped on, that's me today, I'm sitting here and I'm struggling, and I'm feeling darkened by my sin. If sin is cluttering your heart, your mind, and your life, if you feel miles away from God, receive God's forgiveness anew. And I love that. That was one of the greatest revelations I had as a young Christian is that forgiveness isn't just a one-time thing. Like, yeah, I got forgiven when I got saved, you know, when I asked Christ into my life, and now I've got to try and stay holy for the rest of my life. Forgiveness is a gift given to the church of Jesus Christ. Repentance is something we get to live in, a life of repentance, being made clean. Just the the beauty of being reconnected uh, to God and being able to Worship him from the heart. Well, David goes from there, from spiritual sickness, sin, um, to talk about other things that are are, are diseases and, and sicknesses in our life and that lead to death. And David says there, yeah, God heals those too. Now, the promise here, just so you know, is not that God heals every single cold and every single cancer and everything else in between. Now, God can do that. God can do that even miraculously. The promise that David is alluding to here is that God is bringing us into wholeness, that that this Christian life is more than just a moment of salvation. This is about a life of being made whole through Jesus all the days of our lives. How, How many people have continued to grow since you met Jesus, right? That wasn't the end of it. God is always at work. He's he's working out so many beautiful things in our lives. And all this talk in Scripture about being rescued and redeemed and restored, the point is, it's all real. And it's all happening to us day by day as we walk with Jesus. I just think it's such a beautiful thing to know that, that God is very serious about you and me coming to life in every sense of the word. In fact, uh, David goes on to say this in in verse 4. He says, God even redeems our life from the pit. Now, what might that be about? What what is this pit that David's talking about? Well, um, for some of us, something came to mind. You can go ahead and think about it. Think about Princess Bride, right? There was a pit in the Princess Bride, the pit of despair. This is an allusion to, to the darkness that we sometimes feel in our lives, Um, despair, depression, that that God's intention is to shine his light on every dark place in our lives, The, the light of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, God crowns us with love and compassion. And you can think of the first and the greatest commandment, that is love for him, but also love and compassion for the people around us. God is doing all of this. Well, then David goes on to say, and I I love this, he goes on to say that God satisfies the longings of our hearts with good things. Now, what does that mean? Um, Does that mean that every single thing we want, we get, right? Fill in the blank, Cadillac, Escalade time, whatever it is. No, that's, that's not what it means. God satisfies the longings of our heart with, with everything, not that we want, but everything that we need. I don't know if y'all have ever had that experience. I remember one time when uh, our kids were, were little, younger. Um, did I mention I have six of them, right? So six kids, and at the time, it was three teenagers, two elementary age, and one toddler, okay? So we're talking 16, 14, 
13, 8, 6, and 1. And it was one of those days where everyone was going bonkers, okay? You've got teenage needs, right, over here, duh, just all, all that, you know, pre-teenage needs, elementary school needs, you know, toddler needs, crying at, at, at full volume. Jane and I were literally being pulled in six different directions, and it had been going on for hours. And I just remember looking up and praying, oh, God, give me peace. <laughs> and what I, in my prayer, I just holied it up a little bit. My, my, my prayer really was, God, shut these kids up before I kill them. <laughs> and do you know what happened? The peace of Jesus just filled me to overflowing. The Prince of Peace just visited me. And I started laughing and I said, you know what, God, your way is a whole lot better than my way. But it, it's just to illustrate that God gives us what we need. Going on to verse 6, David writes, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Okay, and this is a moment in, in the psalm when we could all spiral, right? Because we were doing so good a minute ago, right? Oh, God, God satisfies the, the longings of our heart. He forgives, he renews, he heals. He's bringing light, he's bringing love. And then David had to go and ruin it by bringing up justice and righteousness. Because for a lot of us, when, when we hear specifically that word justice, we think, yeah, you just reminded me of what I deserve from my dark thoughts for all the ways that I've missed it, for, for you know, the, the sin that I'm committing, that Jesus died for. Well, I want you to be encouraged because what David does next in the psalm, and this is brilliant, David suddenly goes from that statement to the Exodus, okay? He reminds us of that time when the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt. And it's, it's like 40 years. They've been there so long. They've been deprived of so much that they have forgotten God. And some of that forgetting of God in Exodus is him just throwing their hands up in the air. You know, we worshiped him, and where is he? But here they are. David, David reminds us of that. And what happened next? Did God look at them and go, oh, okay, all right, I see how it is. You forgot me? Well, forget you. No, says David. No, God, verse 7, entered into their de death and darkness. God showed back up in their lives unexpectedly hearing their cry, God showed up and he made himself known. He made himself and his ways known to Moses and the people of Israel. Folks, that is the God of justice and righteousness showing up in oppressed people's lives, showing up in sinful people's lives. This is God at work. And it just reminds us, it reminds me at least, that a lot of the modern day storyline about God you know, you've you probably heard this. Well, I tell you, I, I can't be a part of the church. I can't follow this God because, you know, when you look at the God of the Bible, I mean, he's the God of wrath. He's the God of anger. You know, I mean, God's just running around smiting everybody, right? No, says David. That's not right. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger. He abounds in love. Verse 9, he, he does not always accuse nor does he harbor his anger forever. Verse 10, hear this. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or, or, or repay us according to our iniquities. 
Wow, are you guys hearing the gospel in this? Or are you hearing Jesus in the Old Testament here? It's beautiful. Continuing on, in fact, verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great God's love is for those who fear him. And Donnie mentioned the word fear earlier. What does that mean? Those who look to God, those who rely on God, those who trust him. Wow, that's a lot of love. Verse 12, as far as east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And don't think globe, right? Throw it west and here it comes all the way back. No, 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 this is continuing on. That's the heart of God. And I know some of us sit here today and we hear that and go, no, 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 but that, that's great and it's true for this half of the room, but it's not true for me or everybody else but me. God can't have compassion on me like that. I know myself. I know where I've walked. God's compassion can't be that good. If anything, God is disillusioned with me. That's impossible. It's impossible even according to Psalm 103 because according to it, God can't be disillusioned with us when he had no illusions to begin with. That's the truth. Donnie read it, okay? He read it. Just, we didn't even coordinate this, but listen to this. Um, uh, verse 13, God loves you how? Like a father loves his children. God loves you like that. All the time, every day. I mentioned my kids earlier, you know, in that moment, God, give me peace. Guess what? In that moment, I still love them. Every single one of us with children, on their worst day, you love them, right? Well, consider a perfect heavenly father when it comes to you. God loves you like that as a father. Verse 14 through 16, our creator also knows who we are. He knows where we came from. David talks about just the, the finiteness, the weakness of mankind, right? Uh, we, we were formed from the dust of the earth. Our days, he goes on, our days, we're like the grass of the field. You know, we're like a, like a flower that fades. We're here, and then we're gone. And then a generation later, nobody knows our name. Yeah, maybe a few family members can keep it going, or you end up on a family tree, or maybe if you were famous, but the truth is the world forgets us, right? But continuing on, verse 17, from forever to forever, God remembers his children. The world will forget you, but God never will. From everlasting to everlasting, God's love is with those who fear him and with their children's children. God remembers and knows who we are. Isn't that beautiful? And then David calls us into something that's very important, into keeping the covenant, to you and I walking in God's ways and obeying God and staying in his word. So let's take all of that for just a minute and re-ask the question. How can we keep our hearts engaged in worship? How, how can we realign and reconnect with God? Well, we've learned it three or four times this summer. We can look back at what God has done in our lives. I invite you again and again to remember God's benefits to you when you feel empty, when you feel barren. Look at what God has done. Remember that God has given us forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness, that God has healed us that God is healing us, uh, that God is shining the light of Jesus Christ in our lives. God is continually renewing you and I, and God never forgets who you are. Even when we forget him, he doesn't forgive us, and he loves us eternally. And so David ends the psalm, 
verses 20 through 22, saying all of that, that's a reason for the angels to praise him. That is a reason for the heavenly host, the universe, to praise him. That's a reason for all of nature to praise him. And that's more than enough reason, especially for us. Because everything David talks about here, it's personal. It is our story. That's reason enough for us to praise him. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father God, we we do ask (coughs) that you would give us a heart of praise. Lord, we just confess from the preacher to the first-time person that walked in the door that, that our hearts do disengage, that, Lord, we do forget. Father, we also wander, we, we sin, we question, we doubt. And, Father, what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ, this beautiful the word of God, you're, you're all of redemptive history from Genesis all the way to Revelation is that this really is your story. This is about how great you are. This is about how you love And this is about how you have chosen to save and restore and renew a people. Father God, draw us deeper into relationship with yourself. Father, give us hearts of praise. And Lord, we thank you for the incredible thing, the incredible thing that you are doing right here in this church, meaning us as a church collectively, but Lord, in so many lives. You are so good. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.